Well, how many of you have ever had something that exceeded your expectations? Like when you go to Tim Hortons and you try that dark roast for the first time, it exceeds your expectations. I have to admit, it's not hard to exceed my expectations because most of the time it tastes like nicotine to me. So the dark roast was all good. But for me, can you put up that first picture, please? Can we do that? There we go. So here I am at 21 years old. I've got a somewhat of a mustache. I've got braces. I've got pimples. And the expectation of my life was not that high for a lady. But God, who's rich in mercy and abounding in love, gave me far beyond my expectations. Come on. My son-in-law, he said that he used to say this quietly, now he says it openly because he's in the family and he knows there's no exit. So now he says, he literally said this to me last time he showed me this picture. How did you get her to marry you? What was she thinking? <laughs> says that to Shanda. What were you thinking? What did you see? I say, bro, you got a wife because she saw something. She called things that are not as though they were. She believed in the prophetic purpose of God. Look at that guy. He's got a mullet. He's got hair, which we'd be happy to have today. A mustache with a two-finger gap in it. Bigger... Braces, I got zits on my wedding day. I tell you what, thank God that he raises our expectations. I look at some of you and, and just believe God. If God can do that for, you, for me, he can do it for you. <laughs> Get rid of that. Nobody wants to see that. Let it go. There we go. Back to the Holy Spirit. Where are we going from here? It's only going up. Raise your expectation. You know, raising your expectation. There was a time in our life where we thought we would be career renters and we were okay with that. Um, sometimes working in church ministry, uh, the pay is less than you might think. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything about right now. When we were starting out, the first ministry job that we were actually going to, well, the first one is we raised our own support for, uh, so we had to raise money to eat. It's a great motivator, I'll tell you that. Uh, and then uh, our next one, we took a job in Campbell River, and they said, we hope we can pay you. All right, I hope I can pay my rent. I hope, I hope, I hope. And so we went from place to place, finding always to find a better, a.k.a. cheaper place, until we were in a place that we were paying $400 a month for in Campbell River. We call, my kids still call it the bug house because there was bugs. And we counted the season by the bugs that were coming out. When it was like the flying ant season. Oh, I think that's, uh, that's coming into summer. And then we had slug ceiling where you'd wake up, you'd look, see a track, and there'd be a track across, this little slimy track across the roof. And then you'd like, it stopped. And you look, oh, it's on the ground right there or on your plate or whatever it might be. And so we had not high expectations. And when we were moving from Campbell River to Courtney into a new ministry position, someone called us and said, uh, what are you planning to do when you move to Courtney? Well, we were like, going to rent. We were hoping to find a great place. And they said, well, we would like to give you $12,000 to help you get into the market for the first time. And suddenly our expectation level went up. And suddenly what had been impossible became possible. Even though our expectation level was here, it was raised to there. 
And all of us, I think, live in those moments of expectation where we would say, I want more, I would desire more, I would like my life to look a little differently than it does today. And I'm not just talking about getting more stuff. I'm talking about deeper and better relationships. I'm talking about a more fulfilled life. I'm talking about uh, uh, significance in, in the things that I find myself a part of, that our expectation level is always, it's the way we're built because the Spirit of God and we're in the image of God and we're believing for what is not to come to move a little further. I love how Francis and Adrian are talking that we, we reach this many, but we are believing that God would move and allow us to reach many more. And that's what expectation does. That's another word for it is called faith, that we will believe for more than we currently are experiencing, that we would see more than we're currently seeing, that we would hear what we're not currently hearing so we could do what we're not currently doing. It's part of how God's made us. But then there's us, failing, bad habits, character hang-ups, unresolved hurt and pain, addiction issues of all kinds, anxiety, shame, fear, all things that we have expectations and then we're like, but there's me. So we live very often with what life deals to us. You hear people will say, I just got to deal with the cards that life's dealt me, or um, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm just thankful that I'm here, which is good. You're good to be thankful. But God he begins something so that he can finish it. God starts something in you because he wants to do something through you. And so this morning, I want to challenge you as we talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not a concept. He's not a force. He's not, may the force be with you. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is a personality. He is a person who, as we honor and follow who he is, that God would raise the expectation level in your life, for your life, through your life. And Jesus had people to follow him that you can read about in these eyewitnesses accounts. They're called the disciples or the apostles, 12 of them. And I find great hope in these guys. You should too. They were ordinary, unschooled guys, fishermen, tax collectors, loud mouth guys, some of them always sticking their foot in their mouth, and some of them were doubters. One of them was a thief, another was a tax collector. Not the same thing, I know, but even though you might think it's not, they're different. And in, their, in the spaces that they were in, the reality of the life that they lived, Jesus said, follow me. And I'm going to do something in your life that's going to blow you away. It's going to be amazing. Follow me. And every one of them followed them. And it's so encouraging to me and hopefully to you that no matter where you are, no matter how long you've gone and how far you've gone in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. That's what Jesus offers each and every one of us in our space. And Jesus then, as they come, and they spend three and a half years with him. And they're seeing miracles. They're seeing incredible things happening. And people are getting healed multiplying of food and people are getting fed. Jesus is teaching them incredible concepts that are uh, absolutely opposite to everything they've heard that, that he says is going to change your life and all these amazing things. And they're with Jesus in all these moments. But then in his hour of his greatest need, the time when people were coming, the end was drawing near, he was going to be crucified. In that moment, he's saying, hey guys, I know you spent three and a half years with me. I'm going through this very, very difficult time. Could you pray? And they're like, yes. And then he walks away, and they go to sleep. 
three times and they fall asleep and they fall asleep. These incredible people in this moment of greatest need, they sleep while he prays. They ran from him when his enemies came towards him. They ran. One of them had betrayed him. Another one denied him multiple times, but everybody deserted him. Incredible. And then Jesus did rise again from the day, dead. And even after that, he, he rose from the dead. And this one uh, apostle named Thomas was like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the hole in his hands and his side and his feet. I'm still going to doubt him. Deserters, betrayers, deniers, and doubters. And Jesus spends with those group of people 40 days. We're leading to something here. Spends 40 days with them, talking with them and telling them all kinds of things. The Bible talks about, about the kingdom of God. And then he says this as he's preparing to return in his glorified body to heaven. And he says this in Acts chapter 1. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Anytime you can have a meeting with food, it's better. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everyone say, wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Dropping down to verse 8. But you will receive power. Everyone say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Remember, they're just six weeks removed from a big screw-up. They're six weeks removed from walking away from Jesus. They are six weeks removed from saying, I want nothing to do with him. They are six weeks removed from absolutely blowing it on every level and literally six weeks removed from saying, I'm not sure if this whole thing is real. Thomas. But here's the deal. When Jesus says something, I think we need to pay attention because this is the conviction that we operate under as Christ followers, that when someone says they're going to rise from the dead, first they predict their own death and that they're going to arise from the dead, and they actually do it, we should pay attention and go with what he says. And so Jesus looks at this kind of people they were, and we are a mixed bag, believers, doubters, deniers, deserters, and says, there's a great mission to reach the world. Not only that, your life is going to be transformed in the process. He told them in the well before, he said, the Holy Spirit is coming, and it's better that I go, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to help you to be my witnesses. Don't stay where you are. Wait, and then I'm going to move you into something that's far more. He said, I'm going to send you into Jerusalem, which is where the city that they were in, into Judea, which was the area that they were in, into Samaria, which was into another culture, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And you look at it, and you're like, these guys were six weeks ago blowing it big time, but Jesus saying, I have a mission and a mandate for your life that's going to be absolutely mind-blowing, that's going to expand you from wherever you are into a place that you have not ever been. Most of them would have grown up in a town and not gone maybe but 10 miles from where they were uh, born and grew up except to go to Jerusalem for worship. Other than that, they stayed home. And so when Jesus was saying, hey guys, deniers, doubters, betrayers, I've got something for you. But here's what he says. I want you to hear something. We, we talk about the Holy Spirit. There's an impossible mission, impossible changing of people. 
And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, if you're not a Christ follower and you're here because someone invited you and you stumbled in maybe, and this is the part of it where you're like, it's about to get weird because the Spirit stuff is going to be crazy. I've been told about this. Or maybe when you hear the word Holy Spirit and power and witnesses, it can cause all kinds of reactions. For some of you, if you're new to church, you might be open to a new possibility of a spiritual life. For others of you that might have grown up in maybe a conservative mainline church, you've been warned about those Holy Spirit people. Look out. Somebody is going to come swinging in at any moment, start rolling around on the floor. Or maybe you grew up in that environment and you're like, oh God, not that. I've seen enough strange things in my life that I want nothing to do with Holy Spirit. We're suspicious and and we'll come back to some of that strangeness in a moment because there is some of it. Talk about power, but first we talk about what the purpose of the power, the purpose of Holy Spirit is, he says, is to be witnesses. And right away, when I think of witnesses, I'm reminded of when I was about 12 years old. We had a guy by the name of Bud McLean from this church came up to my Christian school and said, we're going to teach you about witnessing. I was 12. I was shy. I, would, I was the guy who would hide behind his mom's skirt. Like, and at 12, that's awkward. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and um, so I was a very shy person growing up. And he said, we're going to witness in your town. And my town was like 2,000 people on a good day. And so everybody knows who you are. And he says, we're going to take these little cards, and they say visa on them. Because this word, I didn't know this. Maybe you didn't know this either. But visa means passport. And it was like, back in the day, they had visa, which was, I think, a red on the top and like another color on the bottom. I'm colorblind. Yellow and blue. There you go. I knew that. I'm just testing everybody. So anyway, yellow and blue. And it said visa on it. And so we went and stood outside the local CIBC, handing out cards that said visa on them. This word means passport, and with Jesus, you can get a passport to an eternal life. Did you know that you are far from God, and that through Jesus, you can have a visa into a new future? And we're standing out on the street corner. I'm 12. I want to crawl into the gutter and hide, but there was no gutter because, anyway, it's a small town. So we were right there, and I remember it clearly, the bank manager coming out of the bank. He's like, what are you guys doing handing out visa cards? We are the CIBC. I can't have you out here handing out visa cards. People were coming in to the teller saying, do you you guys know what a visa? They got visa cards right out here. It's like, no. And I can remember just like, oh, my gosh, this is the weirdest thing I've ever had. And I went back home. And then I came to Bible college. And I took this class on evangelism and going to tell people about Jesus. Evangelism explosion. It was a thing back in the day. And memorizing all these scriptures. And then we were going to go door to door in Surrey. And I was like, the good thing is no one will know who I am. And I went door to door, and you would have to say, hi, I'm from Bible Fellowship, and I'm here to, to do a brief survey, which was kind of dishonest, but it, it's about Jesus, so it didn't really count. I don't know how we squared all that in the class, but anyway, so knock on the door, hi, I'm from Bible, bang, the door closes shut. Whoa, it built my character, I'll tell you that. I had a rejection complex. It was entrenched when I was finished. <laughs> so we did all that, and we 
Went door to door. Like, if you do that and you've had great success, God bless you. I think the best I had was, what's your name? That was it. Like, week after week, every Wednesday night, I'd be, like, dreading it. I'm like, could I be sick? Lord, could you come back today? I don't want to go out. I, I, I thought of it yesterday because I had a... I saw the guy who taught the class yesterday. He's maybe in his 70s now. And, and I was like, oh, uh, I didn't even want to say hi to him, but I did. <laughs> Thought he might give me a card. Do you want to do a brief survey? No, I'm a Jesus follower. Like, so witnesses get all kinds of strange things because we're thinking, I don't want that. But this word witness means far more than just that type of a proclamation. See, the reality is, is that when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, he actually begins to change you. He begins to move on you and turn you from being a lying cuss into something that God could use. That's a a cusp term. I don't know if that translates. That means somebody who lies a lot and swears. So a lying cuss. But that's country talk. Anyway, we're going to get back. And so there's those moments where God moves in your life and transforms you so that you can love people who you don't feel, who have been unkind to you. Where Jesus gave impossible mandates like this. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Whoa, how do you do that? He said, love your enemies. It was an absolute brand new mandate. He said, pray for those who hate you. What? I want to burn their house down. Jesus said, pray for them, love them, do good to them, help the vulnerable, be one who lifts up the poor, be one, all these mandates about being generous and living an upside down impossible life. But here's the kicker. You can only do it through the power of Holy Spirit. And when you begin to love the unlovable, people will say, what makes the difference? And you do this. Hey, it's not me. I witness it's Jesus. And you point to Jesus. And when you love someone in your office who is unconscious, kind to you, people notice. They don't notice anything except you're just like them when you gossip about the people just like everybody else. But when you say, I don't speak evil, I'm going to bless those that are persecuting me. You don't have to do it. I feel in the name of Jesus that I'm going to bless those who persecute me. It's going to be a wonderful time in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord, bless that person who hates me. Don't do that, please. If you do, don't say you're from Horizon Church. You can just say, I'm going to speak well of them and every time and buy them lunch and take them out for lunch and take them a coffee and bless them. And suddenly people go, what's going on? And you get to witness and say, it's Jesus. It's only because, brother, I wanted to like put a tack on your chair, but Jesus helped me witness. So you can be a proclaimer, but we must also be livers that witness of Jesus. So we'll move on from that because sometimes we think that, well, I can't do that. I don't want to be on the street corner and doing all that. Well, maybe you, if you want to do that, go ahead, uh, but also serve the poor, visit the prisoner and forgive those who have hurt you because you, those are impossible things humanly. But when the Holy Spirit lives within you, the impossible becomes possible and you begin to witness of the reality of Jesus. Now, there's this encounter, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the person of who he is. And we have all kinds of ideas and maybe experiences or things that you've seen on TV or I don't know where. But can I just say this? The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's not super weird. Sometimes people are, but the Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's not super weird. 
He does things that are supernatural, which are above what we can understand sometimes. But a lot of the things that he gets blamed for are not him. They're just simply people acting out in their way. See, because here's what happens. After they, Jesus said, hey, I, you need the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, which is a, basically like a history book of the early church after Jesus had ascended. And he said in Acts 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. We're going to talk a lot about this in a couple of weeks, but right now, just suffice it to say that that when God comes in, he comes in like a wind sometimes because he wants to blow away some of the smog and the smoke of our lives that's bringing confusion and we don't know where we're going. But God comes in and, and speaks as well into our culture and into our worldview and begins to cause new possibilities to be able to be uh, believed and be spoken out because he moves in and he's a wind. He can't always be controlled, but you can always see where he came from and you can feel what he's doing in the moment because he's doing something. And down to verse 17, it says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. See, back hundreds of years prior to that, Holy Spirit only came on certain people for certain times for certain assignments. And suddenly, Jesus is saying, you have access to communion with God, to know God through Holy Spirit in a way that has never been possible before on all people, not just on some old priest, but on old men and young men, on women, on women, on the disabled person on the person who's got it all figured out, on the person who's trying to figure it out, on the addict, on everybody who who's calls the, themselves a follower of Jesus. The possibility of a new life is right here. I will pour out my spirit. I'm going to prophesy. In other words, you begin to speak what God speaks about your life. Like Francis said, I am not useless. I am not a, a victim because of Jesus. My life has future. My life has possibility. I begin to speak out what God says. I begin to say, God, what would be possible for my life? I see visions. In other words, I see things that I cannot even imagine how they would work out right now. There's a vision that God wants to bring in your life and there's a dream that I, this is how you can tell if you're getting old. Dream dreams, old men. I'm starting to have dreams more. I don't know. But even on my servants, and he had to say this, both men and women together, shoulder to shoulder, being used of God, moving in the things of God, moving and le being led by Holy Spirit, and the possibilities. Every one of these words are words that call us forward to raise our expectations, to raise the expectation for your life to raise the expectation for your marriage, to raise the expectation for your business, to raise that God is interested in every area of your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll continue on. And the church is born in that moment. And the deserters, the deniers, the doubters, the disciples have a personal encounter and things begin to change. At the end of this chapter, Peter, who's one of the disciples of Jesus who had denied him three times, 
preaches a sermon, gives an altar call, which is simply to say, you should follow Jesus. And in one moment, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus, plus women, plus children. They estimated five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people. And then in the next chapter, they tell the story of Peter and John, uh, two of them, one who had run away and one who had denied. And now they've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were going to pray at the temple, and there was a lame man, and they, they, they healed him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of that chapter, another couple thousand people came to Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 4, they were drugged in front of the religious leaders, and they were uh, told never to speak in this name of Jesus again. They were, they were beaten, and they were said, if you do this again, you, big trouble for you. And their response in the past to pressure had always been to run. Their, pre, their response to pressure had always been to hide. Their response to pressure had been to deny. Their response to pressure had been to doubt. Their response to pressure had been to retreat. But now the Holy Spirit was within them. They weren't with Jesus, but the Jesus was with them on the inside through the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the doubter began to step up. And suddenly the denier began to proclaim. And suddenly the one who said, I want nothing to do, said, I'm named as one who follows Jesus. Everything changed for the ones who had once been walking away, suddenly stepped up. And the possibilities for their life changed because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's possible. Why not today? And through all through the book of Acts, if you want to read it, it's called the Acts of the, Acts of the Apostles, but it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. As he worked through these people who had all kinds of issues, all kinds of stuff, as they surrendered their life to him, things began to shift in them and through them and for them. And you see things all through their healings and miracles and supernatural provision, whole cities turning to God, bondages being broken, addicts being set free, people who were caught in all kinds of issues being set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, racial and ethnic prejudices dissolving and, and slave owner and slave sitting down at the same table and being reconciled and being set free. And the people who were Jews and Gentiles who wouldn't even walk in the same room suddenly are in the same church and we're being the same God, and Jesus is doing a work of reconciliation. And I say, why not today? Why not in our city? Why not in our nation? Why not again? We see it in moments, and we see it in smatterings, but this whole series has been born out of the last nine months as I've been saying, God, we need more. We need, we need to see this, what's on the pages of Scripture, to be seen in our world today. We need to see people that love when they don't understand it, that have a peace that is in the midst of the storm. And Jesus, this guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and then did it, said, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's still today, but there's some weird stuff done in the name of Holy Spirit. And there's some supernatural stuff that's not natural. And there's some stuff that doesn't fit into any categories. And we're going to talk about all that in a moment. I've seen, been in ministry vocationally for 25 years and grown up in the church. And I've seen all kinds of funny things that people say are the Holy Spirit. And I go, hmm. You were, in about 2002, 2003, a lady came up to me in the church where we were serving and she says to me, Pastor, I want you to know that I have kitty tongues. I was like, what? Like, mew, mew? Like, yeah, kitty tongues. And I was like, tell me more. 
I have no idea. I've heard a few strange things in my time, but tell me more. Bad, wrong question. So she says, well, I have cats at home. <laughs> and they mew, mew. And I thought, I want to communicate with them. So what I did is I asked God for a baptism in kitty tongues. So when, when the cat goes mew, mew, I ask God, and I go, mew, mew back, and the cat knows what I say. And not only that, Pastor, when the cat mew, mews back, I know what he says. I was like, really? That's very interesting. I have never heard that before. A.K.A., if someone says that to you, that means there's something really wrong. <laughs> and to top it all off, my lead pastor is behind her. She can't see him, and he's looking at me. I'm brand new in the church. I'm trying to behave myself. I'm looking, and she, he's standing behind her making all kinds of faces to try and make me laugh. He's like, all this moment, while well, this lady is telling a very serious story, and I'm trying to hold it together. Kitty tongues, you heard it here first. I say, I don't think that's really God. I, I'm kind of young, but I think there's something wrong with that. Maybe go back and read your Bible. Or you might have seen these where people are like angel feathers falling from the sky and you knew that angels were in the room and gold teeth became the measure of an encounter with God. Watching whole shows about manifestations of diamonds on people's hands and TV evangelists where we overlook excess and mishandling of funds and immorality done by people who say are moving in the power of Holy Spirit. And, or this one where if you've been around you might have heard someone say, come up, usually it's a guy, says to a woman, God told me that you're to marry me. God told you that, eh? I don't know what, but I'll tell you what, it ain't me. You're wrong, and I'm running the other way. If God ever tells you you're going to marry someone, you keep that between yourself and pray, because that woman should run the other way as fast as you come. Now, so with all of that context... And you could probably, everybody who, if you've grown up in a church, might have different stories. But I just want to talk about three simple principles that I use in dealing with Holy Spirit power. So I'm just trying to lay some thoughts and that will... Look at that. Yeah. That was nothing Holy Spirit or not. That was just me. <laughs> Very awkward person. <laughs> Normal. I feel like my face is getting red. But anyway, <laughs> could be. But pastor, it's super weird. But no, Holy Spirit is not super weird, but he is supernatural. So I want to step back a little bit on some principles of dealing with Holy Spirit power. Because here's what's happened. Because people hear weird stories like that. And instead of embracing the reality of the Holy Spirit, we say, no, I want anything to do with that. And we live with nothing. Or the other side, people say, well, we have to take all that with it, and so we live with craziness. So nothing or craziness, neither of which produces fruit, neither of which produces power to be as witnesses to change the world. So, but I'm unwilling to live in either of those. I want the power of the Holy Spirit, and I want it to be supernatural, life-changing, and somehow with the help of God to keep the weirdness out, but I want Holy Spirit because he's the one that changes everything. So here's the first thing I'd suggest for us when I mean, you don't get it. Avoid sweeping generalizations. 
I saw something weird, so that means all of it's weird. No, it was just bad. It's weird. Think of it in terms of a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant, and how many of you have ever eaten out before and got food poisoning? Yeah. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. Did you stop going out to every restaurant? No, you stopped going out to that restaurant. Or you like put something on Yelp and said, if you want to clean yourself out, go to this place. You don't stop eating out. Or how many of you, how many in the room have ever told one lie before? At least one lie. If your hand didn't go up, you lying, like right now. Doesn't mean that you're forever consigned to being a liar, never to be trusted again. Simply means you've told one lie. A liar that cannot be trusted is someone with a pattern of lying. And so there's things that God does that are supernatural, that you don't understand, but we don't consign, consign everything to craziness. If you've ever been to a family reunion, there's always somebody at your family reunion. That's a little off. And if you're not sure who it is, you can't pick them. It's probably you. But if you think, I can think of a person in my family, extended family, and I'm just going to say uh, a pseudonym, I think that's the word, where it's not really their name so that they won't be embarrassed by this, but I'll call them uncle. It's not necessarily even who it is, in case any of them are listening. Uncle Garth, Uncle Regis, don't worry. Um, but you have this person at your could be a wedding, could be a family gathering of some time, and you're just waiting for them. You can probably think of somebody in your family like that, that you're just waiting for them to, like, do their thing. You're like, you're just watching, you're like watching. Usually there's alcohol involved at my family functions. One, two, okay, he's coming, he's coming. Three, mm-hmm. Okay, and here's Uncle Harry on the table doing his thing, acting out, being all crazy, and just like, oh, my goodness. He said that? Yes, he said that. He did that? Yes, he said that. He did that. I don't want to look ever again. Can't be unseen. And then that's sometimes crazy things happen in the name of Holy Spirit, and he gets consigned to the craziness of the Godhead. I love the Father. I like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is crazy Uncle Harry. You never know what he's going to do. Avoid sweeping generalizations. Like, I lived in a small town where everyone knew who you were, which had its advantages if you were in trouble, but it had its disadvantages if you were trying to do something and didn't want your mother to know. But I remember going back after many years away. I left there when I was 17, going back, and I was in the grocery store, which was an overweighty at the time. And the person was looking at me, the lady at the till. She says, are you from around here? I was like, yeah. She said, are you a miller? I was like, yes, and she kind of, her eyes got big. And she says, which one? I mean, what do you mean, which one? Like, who's your dad? I said, Wally. She's like, oh, okay. Because there's some millers in the town that have a name that's not all positive and life-giving. I love them, but they had obviously, this person had run-ins or experiences with other millers that wasn't all positive, and they were prepared to judge me based on my last name. And sometimes we do that with Holy Spirit. We see something and we judge him and who he is and what he does based on something crazy that you saw or heard. And it's not who he is. Don't make this mistake of saying all Holy Spirit things are weird and all churches that believe in or moving in the Holy Spirit are weird. We are 
doing our best to move forward in the Holy Spirit. And I believe, and I'll stake who I am on the fact that Holy Spirit is not super weird, but he is supernatural. Another great principle, eat the fish and spit out the bones. You're like, what? Eat the fish and spit out the bones. Simply means this, there, are, there will always be something that has a mixture of human thinking or differing personalities or ways of doing things. Pastor Benny is a friend of mine in and he says this, he was given a word of knowledge which was simply speaking something he didn't know naturally about someone. And he would always do this weird thing at the end. He'd be, he'd, God is, Holy Spirit is coming and bam, there he is. And I was like, what is that? Like, so I, I, he said, he said, there's nothing to that. He said, when I was young, I just liked, to, I liked that sense of like, here is God and bam. He said, there's nothing spiritual about it. I served under a pastor who said he didn't really like it, so he didn't do it. But he said, no, I just do it because I like it. That was it. Bam. I was like, okay, I could have been offended at the way that that was done and missed out on all that God wanted because sometimes that's happened. When it comes in a package we don't like, we reject what's in the package. When God does something in a way we don't fully understand, we reject all of it. And I would encourage us to not do that, but to eat the fish, which means embrace the real, spit out the bones of personality and style and clothing choices and people's reactions and, and move in to all that God has. And then there's three number signs. Watch where the sign is pointing. If you live in the Okanagan, and we would often come down from Penticton down Highway 97. There's a, I think it's at the juncture of Highway 3A and 97, a highway that goes down to Karameas. There's a fruit stand there. But there's a big sign, maybe two or three kilometers before it, saying, this fruit stand is coming up. Don't miss it. I missed it one time. because, <laughs> But here's the sign. I don't stop at the fruit sign if I want fruit and say, love this fruit sign so wonderful let's just stop here at the fruit sign and look at the fruit sign and enjoy the fruit sign the fruit sign is only intended to point me towards the fruit i want the fruit and some of us stop at signs that we don't understand instead of looking at what they're pointing to which should be jesus and if it's pointing back at a person ignore the sign and keep moving ignore the sign and keep moving till you see the one who all the signs should point to, which is Jesus. And don't keep in the church what is meant in the world, because that's often when things get weird. We forget what the power of the Holy Spirit is for. So there are strange things, but I want to just tell you a few stories that I've experienced along the way of Holy Spirit moving in real ways. This church is built on the power of the Holy Spirit. In the 70s, you might have heard of these people called the Jesus people, which were literally across all the world. There was this incredible move of God where what were called hippies and who dressed differently, had long hair, dressed bare feet, all that kind of stuff. Drugs and sex, drugs and rock and roll was their mantra. And in the early 70s, this church was in Vancouver, was part of a move of Holy Spirit that saw millions of them across the continent radically saved, instantly delivered of addictions healings, lives transformed, and many, many, many thousands of them went on into vocational ministry because God touched them in their life. Talked with somebody yesterday who told me the story. They were in a church in Portland in that time, and in one year, the church went from 200 to 2,000 because young people turned to the reality of the Holy Spirit and saw their lives turned around, changed. Yes, it was all kinds of stuff happening, but God was moving and changing lives, and we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
I've watched as students, I've seen incredible things. We, Shanda and I had done some training with uh, some other ministry. We're training uh, young, young people, 20, 18, 20, 22 years old, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we were praying for people at a front line in the church. And listen to the story of a nurse who had to stop working because she had such pain in her feet that every time she moved, it was like walking on needles. And it was just terrible. I watched as students laid hands on her feet and said, and commanded infirmity to loose her body and pain to loose her body. And I saw her face suddenly shift. What just happened? They asked her what happened. And she said, the pain is all gone. And she said, well, they said, well, do something you've never been able to do. She starts to jump up and down. She starts to walk across the front. And then because of that, she runs and goes up the stairs, across the balcony, down the other side, yelling the whole time, very undignified. But when you've been freed, sometimes there's a reaction that happens when God moves in your life. I've been in a room when Holy, the Holy Spirit touched Shanda in a powerful way and instantly set her free of all kinds of years of baggage and pain that had caused challenges in our relationship. And it was loud as Holy Spirit did His supernatural work. I sat alone at a bedside in North Vancouver with a distant relative that sometimes people in my family will, through my mother, ask me to go visit somebody who I've never met. And I went into this hospital room and this person was all alone in a coma and I you don't always know if people are here but he had not spoken for days he was on the verge of death and I sat down and I just talked about Jesus and the goodness of Jesus and, and then I thought I'm going to try something so I asked this guy who had not spoken for days was in a coma not moving eyes closed if you understand me say yes and he says yes okay and so I explained the gospel to him. And, and then I, but I thought, I'm going to test this out. I said, is your name? And I said the name that was not his name. And he said, no. I'm like, oh, this is not just like somebody like ventriloquist. It's actually happening. His eyes were closed. He was not moving. I continued to tell him about Jesus, the forgiveness he brings. I asked him, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He says, yes. Do you want to repent? He said, yes. So I prayed for him to receive Jesus. I then asked, is that what you wanted? He said, yes. And we were all finished. I thought I'd try and ask him some more questions. Nothing. Eyes closed, no response, nothing happened. Told my mom about it. It was kind of spooky. Two or three later, yeah, two or three days later, he was dead, had never spoken or seemingly come out of his coma. But Jesus was in the room through the power of the Holy Spirit. Earlier this year, I went into a hospital room with Shanda and Daniel and Katie. The person was intubated, tubes down his throat, no activity, life hanging on by a thread, not expected to live. We are praying for him, and then I just felt a prompting of Holy Spirit. And I went up, and I spoke into his ear, and was praying in his ear, and I commanded death to go. And suddenly, this was scary, every, all the machines start beep, 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 beep. The nurse comes running in, what's happening here? And I was like... I am not sure, but I did not, I did not, like, I didn't touch anything. I just prayed. And that man today is alive and walking, moving forward in his life because the Holy Spirit still moves.
I've sat in rooms and watched Holy Spirit deliver friends of mine from spiritual oppression that have been driving his life and destroying his relationship. I saw Holy Spirit transform this angry, angry man who had all kinds of reasons to be angry, but Holy Spirit delivered him. And now he is, his marriage was on the rocks because of all the craziness that he had done and brought into his family. But Jesus delivered him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're still married today. Their family is healthy. They're growing. They're full of love. And this series came out of the last eight or nine months of saying, Jesus, we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to see what was in Acts in Surrey. We need to see it in Canada. We need to see it in our world because we live in challenging, challenging times. I never, ever, ever, ever thought when I was going through Bible college and growing up that we would live in a time of mass gender dysphoria. In this room, in our culture, we're dealing with pornography addictions that are as the internet proliferates, what used to be only got by very, very difficult means is now accessible to little children even. We have thousands of homeless people, majority of them struggling with mental, severe mental health issues in our city. In this room and in our cultures, there are marriages hanging by a thread. In this room and in our culture, we have family members who are far from God and are lost without Him. In this room, we have family members that are caught and lost in addiction. In this room and in this family, we have ones that struggle with emotional and mental health struggles. In this room and in our culture, we have sickness and disease. In this room and in our culture, we have people going through the pain of breakup. In this room and in our culture, we have families blowing apart. In this room and in our culture, we have deniers and deserters and doubters and disciples and much, much worse issues all through our city. And as my pastor friend Benny says, as the world looks more and more like Rome, the church needs to look more and more like the book of Acts, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, because we are dealing with issues that we have never seen before. We are seeing problems that are far too big and far too pervasive. We have messes that we never anticipated. But in verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will speak to the culture in a way that they understand with an authority to bring people out of captivity, with an ability to speak into the culture and say, I know what you're going through, but I know a Jesus through the power of Holy Spirit who can change my, who has changed my life. And let me tell you, he can change yours that we will prophesy and we will have vision of a city being changed, that we will dream of, of a day when our nation is turned around. Why not today? Why just 2,000 years ago? Why just in Africa? Why in just localized places? Why not here? Why not now? Because I, we need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that will exceed your expectations, that will cause you to call things that are not as though they were, that will cause you to believe God again, to say, God, would you move in our day? Would you move in our time? Would you move in my family? Would you move in my life? Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move. We need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And I am done with the super weird. And I am embracing the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit again. We need new ways. We need new strategies. We need new wisdom. Holy Spirit has the answer. We need a word for our culture. We need the power to set people free. We need fresh ideas. We need people that will have a visionary spirit that sees things as they are, but believes God for things 
as God has called them to be, who see the world not just as it is, but as it could be. As the Holy Spirit came in and he shook the room. Some of us need to have the Holy Spirit shake us afresh, to shake us out of complacency, to shake us out of small thinking, to shake us out of my life is only going to be this, to shake us out of a fatalism It says Canada is going into a place that it can never recover from. I believe that the Holy Spirit is still moving, that God, and I'm going to live till my dying breath, fighting for my nation, fighting for a move of God in your family, for your family, that God would do what only God can do in our city, in our nation, around the world, that he would do something new, something fresh. Who needs to raise their expectancy level to have the wind of the Spirit of God move? To remove some cobwebs, to remove some confusion smoke. It might look different and it will look different than it did in 1970 or 1990 or 19 whenever some of you might have been born. But God, do something new and fresh through the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That's where it starts. In me. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And let this be a clarion call that we are embracing the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have structure and we're going to have it and we're going to be organized because structure carries life, but structure is not life. It's meant to carry life. And the life of God is what transforms people. Grow tracks, get people that have been caught into the process of being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hearing God is only so you can encounter Holy Spirit and learn to hear God for yourself and He can begin to change your life. The Holy Spirit still moves in a powerful, powerful way. In 2019, in 2020, in 2021, that's why we're going to a place called Princeton, which is three hours away from here with 5,000 people with a, needing a life-giving church that says there's hope for here, that the best days are not back there, that the best days have yet to come because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we... we have a service like this is because we believe that you're going to bring friends from near and far and family members and they're going to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in worship. They're going to hear the word of the Lord and God's going to work on their heart and transform them and change them. That's why we, we're believing God for a movement, not just a church to have a moment, but to have a movement that shakes the city, that we'll partner with Relate Church, we'll partner with Village Church, we'll partner with any church that names the name of Jesus to see a city change, to see lives change to see your sons and daughters your grandchildren your family be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that's what he's doing that's what he's doing can he invite you to stand to your feet because if we're going to see change in and through our lives we must see more Holy Spirit in and through our lives I just want to draw your attention there's one more slide up there we're not going to have an altar call right now because I feel that right now is a time to respond with some thought. 
We have this month, we have Hearing God groups starting on Tuesday. If you're ready to say, God, I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I need to be refreshed in it, as you heard, starting Tuesday, 7 o'clock, horizonfam.ca. We have a set free weekend where you can encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, and he can set you free and set you onto the pathway that he has for your life. We're having a night of worship on October the 25th where you can encounter the fullness of the Holy Spirit, where we can do things there that we can't do on a Sunday morning simply because of time. And we have kids that are waiting that if we leave them there too long, it's gonna, uh, the, the, the people will quit and we will never have them again. But on a worship night, we're going to come together and know and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Why not today? Why not now? Why not Surrey? Why not here? Let's raise our expectancy level. Where it's been fatalistic, it can happen. Yes, it can. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can quicken your mortal body, cause dead things in you to come alive, dreams to come alive, fresh vision for your life, that you are living and breathing and drawing air because God has great purpose for your life to make a difference in the world, to be one that will set captives free, that will speak hope into areas of hopelessness, that will call the discouraged out, that will find the lost and see God do what only God can do. I'm over time and I'm, I need to pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the power of Holy Spirit. We acknowledge our absolute desperate need for you. Lord, in this room, if you're in a room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's as simple as, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive my sins and lead my life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, that the impossible for your life could become possible through Jesus. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. We're not going to get you to come up or anything like that right now. Yeah. Yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So, family, just as we pray, if you put your hand up and you're saying, I need Jesus, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and fill my life and lead my life for the very first time, just pray this prayer, something along this line to do in your own heart. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive my sin. Come and lead my life. I surrender my life to you. Come and have your way, Jesus. I welcome you. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so if, that, if you pray that prayer, the three or four hands around the room, you're saved and you're coming to a new family, new possibilities in Jesus. But for all of us, Lord, now in the rest of the room, Lord, we just acknowledge our absolute desperate need for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit to shake us on the inside, to open our eyes to see, to open our ears to hear, to cause our feet to move in a new direction, in a new season of a supernatural Holy Spirit. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.